Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Want truly hydrated skin? Meet Osea's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER. Last night, in Toronto, one of the biggest and most important film festivals in the world opened with an unusual film. An animation. But not just any animation. This was the latest film from Studio Ghibli and the revered director Hayao Miyazaki. It's a film that's already broken box office records in Japan. And according to Miyazaki, although it's his first film in a decade, he swears that it's also his last. If you're not familiar with Studio Ghibli or the great Japanese animator, then you might have heard of his films, like the Oscar-winning Spirited Away or My Neighbor Totoro. Either way, you're in for a treat, as the man who created Toy Story would tell you. John Lasseter once said that um, in the history of animation, there are two figures whose contribution to our art form place them above all others. And the first, he said, is Walt Disney, and the second is Hayao Miyazaki. Miyazaki has been at the helm of the studio for almost four decades, and his beautiful, hand-drawn animations have created magical and often very profound films, which have won millions of fans all over the world. I think he's the greatest animator in the history of the medium. Miyazaki, Studio Ghibli in general, that's one of those great bodies of work that is a treasure for cinema. But whilst the Western titan of animation, Disney, is celebrating its 100th anniversary this year, could this be the end of Studio Ghibli? You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today... Studio Ghibli, the Japanese studio that inspired Disney and Pixar. I'm Richard Lloyd Perrin. I'm the Asia editor of The Times, based in Tokyo. And Richard, given where you are, I suppose it's almost obligatory, but are you a fan of Studio Ghibli? I am. I'm a big fan. Like a lot of people, I started watching them with my children when they were really quite young. I mean, it must be 10 years ago now. The first one I saw was Princess Mononoke. In a time when gods walk the earth, an epic battle rages between the encroaching civilization of man and the gods of the forest. Now watch closely, everyone. I'm going to show you how to kill a god. Fire! 
and I hadn't seen a film like it. I mean, I sat down to watch it with my young children, expecting to enjoy the pleasure that they took in it, but not expecting a, a great deal from it as a piece of cinema. But I realised quite early on, and I've watched it many times since, that although it is definitely a film that is, is rewarding for, for children and exciting, it's also a very sophisticated cinematic work of art. I don't think that's an exaggeration. And Richard, for people who haven't seen it, because I think with Studio Ghibli, you either have people who know of it, who tend to be obsessed by it, or people who just haven't come across it. Just explain how different it is to Disney, because you know people sometimes say that about Disney films, that adults can sit down and enjoy them too, but there's a complexity here which is very different. That There are great differences between the work of, of Studio Ghibli and, and Disney. It comes from a different animation tradition, if you like. This is Japanese anime. And, uh, I mean, one of the, the key things is that even now... Hayao Miyazaki, the the great founder and director of Studio Ghibli, is very reluctant to use computers. He designs and draws the films by hand. And the other thing that's very striking about them is that the, in some ways, the human figures are simpler, less impressive than the the world around them. So Miyazaki plays great, meticulous attention to drawing natural scenes. His renderings of the Japanese countryside are amazing and compelling. The greens of the rice, of the forests, the blue of the sky, the clouds, the way the wind moves across a field of of, of grain. And it's against that very detailed, hand-drawn background that these human figures move. This is a a world that has really captivated people, so much so that Back in July, when everybody in Europe was obsessed with either Barbie or Oppenheimer or both, there was a very different sort of cinematic frenzy in Japan. Just tell us a bit about it. Yes, in July, Miyazaki, who is now 82, released what seems very likely to be his last film. In English, it's called The The Boy and the Heron. And the way it was presented was extremely unusual, And it was obviously, you know, the opportunity for the marketing people to go bananas with trailers, teasers, pre-publicity. But the the, the other great figure in Studio Ghibli, a man called Toshio Suzuki, who is the loyal sidekick and producer for Hayao Miyazaki, decided very eccentrically that he wasn't going to do any of that. So the only thing that happened was that last December, a poster was released, a mysterious poster showing a strange bird in close-up. And after that, nothing at all. So that when people went into this film on its opening day, all that they knew about it was that A, it was by Studio Ghibli, and B, the title of the film, nothing else. The the opening weekend was a smash. The film in its first three days in, in IMAX cinemas broke all records in Japan. And this is now about to be unleashed on the world at large. It is. It was actually premiered last night at the Toronto International Film Festival, a very big film festival. That was its world premiere outside Japan. How is it doing? 
Tickets for the Toronto event sold out in record time. As these things are, they were being resold online secondhand for $300 or more. Everyone wanted to see it. And for people who don't know much about this world, just taking a step back, just explain to us, Studio Ghibli, I mean, when was it founded? And tell us a bit about some of those main characters, that the, the master, Miyazaki, and, and the others who were involved. Yeah, it was founded by three men, Miyazaki Suzuki, who I was talking about, and another very brilliant creator called Isao Takahata, who died a few years ago in his 80s. Takahata and Miyazaki had worked in the anime industry in Japan, uh, in various studios. Miyazaki was born in 1941, so shortly before the outbreak of the Pacific War, just before the bombing of Pearl Harbor. And as a young boy, he was evacuated from Tokyo to escape the fire bombing. The fire bombing as a drama, as a spectacle, appears in a number of his films. Uh, and he was evacuated to the countryside. But the war was very much personal to his family. His father, who I think he had rather a difficult relationship with, ran a family company that made parts for fighter planes. So the Miyazaki family were directly contributing to the war effort. Miyazaki, as a young man, went to an expensive private university in Tokyo. He was part of the generation of left-wing student activists. But I think he's always been, you know, ironically and perhaps rather painfully conscious of the fact that that privilege he had was made possible because his family had profited, in a way, from Japan's war of imperial aggression. Things fell apart in the end, though. That's what happens when you lose a war. There is your fighter. War is constantly coming up in his work. His last film, The Wind Rises, it's a kind of fictionalised biography of a, a real character, a man called Jiro Horikoshi, who was the inventor of the Mitsubishi Zero, you know, the famous Japanese fighter, which by the end of the war was being flown into Allied battleships as a kamikaze plane. A masterful design. Not a single one returned. There was nothing to return to. Airplanes are beautiful, cursed dreams, waiting for the sky to swallow them up. It's so interesting how war, in particular, still looms so large in his work. Do you think part of the appeal in Japan is that these are animated films that the whole family watch together, and this, for the first time, is a way of addressing the war perhaps conversation isn't quite so easy about it. Japan's often accused of failing to achieve a reckoning with its, its wartime past. And there's a certain amount of truth in that, but it's not the case that the war has been avoided as a subject by artists and creative people. And certainly Miyazaki's generation were on the barricades demonstrating in support of Japan's pacifist constitution and opposing any, you know, what they saw as militarist tendencies in Japanese policy. But, but it is a very prominent theme in his work. 
and treated very brilliantly in his films. So the morality around war becomes an ongoing theme throughout his career. And then in 1997 comes Princess Mononoke, the, the first film you ever saw from the studio, which becomes a global blockbuster. Yes, it was the first big success. It's about war, it's about the conflict between industry and, and the environment. It also contains a interesting female character who runs a factory, a kind of foundry, mining iron, which is destroying the environment. This is the latest rifle that I've asked these people to design. The ones we brought here have turned out to be too heavy. These will kill forest monsters and pierce the thickest samurai armour. But which is also providing a livelihood to poor people who otherwise would have none. It's hard work, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you bet. And our shifts are four days long. You must lead hard lives here. Yep, I suppose. Yeah. But it sure beats working a brothel in the city, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, here we get to eat as much as we want. And the men don't bother us. <laughs> Unless we want them to. <laughs> so the environmentalism in it, it's very characteristic in, in Miyazaki to find, rather than simple black and white goodies and baddies, these shades of grey where even those who are destroying the environment are presented in a fairly complex, nuanced way. It's not just about good against evil. That's so unusual for animated films. And one of the problems that the American distributors had with it was that it's called Princess Mononoke, but the Princess Mononoke in it is not a Disney princess in a pretty dress with a lovely face and a charming manner. She's a kind of wild girl who's been brought up by wolves. And there was quite a story behind that. The rights to it internationally were bought by Miramax, by the now notorious Harvey Weinstein, who had a bit of a battle with Miyazaki because the Miramax people wanted to change the script to make it more accessible, as they saw it, to a Western audience. And Mr Suzuki, Miyazaki's producer, very famously sent a Japanese samurai sword to Harvey Weinstein himself with a message saying no cut. You can see how these films would rub up against Hollywood and there would be difficulties. I mean, I love the story about the samurai sword. How have they coped with this sudden global fame? Because, you know, after Princess Mononoke in 1997, 2001, they have an even bigger smash hit. How did that play out? Well, Spirited Away was amazingly, record-breakingly successful in Japan. It begins with a a pre-teenage girl who's travelling with her parents to a new house where she doesn't want to move, and the parents are are changed into pigs in front of her eyes. And from there, she's propelled into this very disturbing world of supernatural creatures, of spirits, some benign, some very much not so. It quite soon became the most successful film in Japanese history. I think it took around $305 million. And it held that record, in in fact, just until very recently. But it also attracted the attention of very influential people in Hollywood. And 
principal among them was a man called John Lasseter, who is the creative force behind Pixar. Whenever you see, I think anybody sees Totoro for the first time, um, and the cat bus pulls up, one of my favorite scenes of any movie, when the cat bus arrives at that bus stop. And he loves Miyazaki and his work, and he loved Spirited Away, and he led a kind of campaign for Spirited Away to be considered for the Academy Award for Best Animation. And Spirited Away did, partly as a result of his lobbying, Spirited Away did win that award. So Miyazaki had his Oscar. Rather characteristically, he refused to collect it in person because he was so angry about American involvement in the Iraq war, which he strongly objected to. But that, in in international terms, of course, that was a very big moment for Miyazaki and his studio. That's amazing. And how much of an influence has Miyazaki had on Disney and Pixar and all of those companies that people are more likely to have heard of? Yes, Hollywood animator types, the creative people at the likes of Pixar and Disney, love Miyazaki. Someone like John Lasseter takes every opportunity he can to praise Miyazaki. You know, he once said that if they're stuck at Pixar or Disney and they don't know where to go with the film they're working on, they'll put on a Miyazaki film and watch just a sequence or two from it just to get the creative juices and the inspiration flowing again. That's phenomenal. And has he had much of an influence beyond the world of animation? I mean, how much is Hollywood, full stop, aware of him? Guillermo del Toro, you know, who directed Pan's Labyrinth and, and who won an Oscar of his own for the, the Shape of Water, once said that if he could, he would like to live in the world of Totoro. <laughs> and Wes Anderson, uh, you know, another very quirky filmmaker who made Grand Budapest Hotel, uh, said he was also inspired by Miyazaki when he made his very bizarre animated film Isle of Dogs. So they've clearly been a huge commercial, but also a critical success. They've influenced a lot of Hollywood. So people who don't think they've watched anything by Studio Ghibli have probably watched something hugely influenced by it. And yet all of that could be about to come to an end. Yes, Hayao Miyazaki is 82. Um, There's every reason to believe this is his last film. So this may be the end of the road for, for Studio Ghibli. Is it really all over? In a moment, we'll hear how difficult working conditions and a dysfunctional father-son relationship could mean the end of the road for Studio Ghibli. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So Richard, as you said, Studio Ghibli, the world's greatest animation studio for many people, has been led by these aging masters for decades. Have there been other filmmakers who've been part of the stable who who might be able to take over? So there was also a very brilliant younger director called Yoshifumi Kondo, who made a film in 1995 called Whisper of the Heart. That was the first film Ghibli had done directed by someone other than Miyazaki or Takata, the founders. But very tragically, Yoshifumi Kondo, who many people had tipped as Miyazaki's successor and the one who'd take over the studio, suddenly died at the age of 47 of a heart aneurysm, very much before his time. And have there been other filmmakers, or does Miyazaki have any children who might take over? He does. Miyazaki has two sons, and one of his sons, Goro, did seem for a long time to be the chosen heir. I think he made three films for the studio overall. And poor old Goro, um, I mean, Hayao Miyazaki, by, by all accounts, is not an easy man to work for, and I don't think he's an easy man to have as your father either. I mean, ironically, this, this man who has created masterpieces about the delights of childhood and the preciousness of childhood mm. seems pretty much to have neglected his own family while he was making those films. Ah. And Goros talked about how he never saw his dad, really. He was always working. He started watching his films and he wanted to get to know him better. Um, and he once said that, you know, Miyazaki Hayao is a brilliant director, uh, but a terrible father. So I don't think that relationship's ever been easy. But nonetheless, Goro joined the studio, directed these first films. I mean, the general consensus is that, you know, they're not a disaster, they're not an embarrassment, but they're not great. And they fall very much below the standard set by his father. Miyazaki heads to a preview of his son's first feature film. Goro had never worked on animated features before, and his father felt he wasn't ready. And even... Miyazaki, I mean, he didn't really disguise the fact that he was rather disappointed by it. After just an hour, Miyazaki abruptly walks out. He was asked about one of his films and he said, I saw my own child, he hasn't become an adult, that's all. And then he said, it's good that he made one movie, with that he should stop. So it's rather heartbreaking. And um, Goro Miyazaki, you know, has stayed with the studio. His most recent job which I think he 
he did very, fairly well was to create the Studio Ghibli theme park, uh, which opened in Japan a couple of years ago. And in terms of the studio, so you've got as a son who is still involved, although clearly that's a messy relationship and it doesn't sound like he'll be churning out films in the future. Um, are these great masters easy people to work for? No, I, I don't think that Taya Miyazaki is, is an easy person to work for at all. Uh, I mean, people are, tend to be fairly discreet in Japan, but it's notable that talented people who've come up have often left the studio. I mean, generally not cursing Miyazaki's name, because that's not how people operate here. But it does seem indicative of the atmosphere there, that a lot of good people leave and go and work elsewhere. And even Suzuki, who's you know tremendously loyal to Miyazaki, has said that the relentless pleasure of working for Ghibli in the very high standards set may even have contributed to the death from heart failure of poor Mr Kondo, who seemed so promising. Oh, that does sound like an incredibly difficult place to be. I, I don't think it's just Studio Ghibli. I mean, the anime industry generally is rather notorious for requiring people to work very, very, very long hours. Of course, the work is incredibly intensive because you're creating moving images frame by frame virtually. Mm. The jobs are coveted. They're prestigious in a way, but the hours are long and the pay and the rewards are poor. Back in 2013, everybody thought it was probably the end of Studio Ghibli. They'd lost the man who was supposed to be the successor. He died tragically. And both of the great founding fathers were putting out their final films. Yes, um, Takahata, his last film, The Tale of Princess Kaguya, which is a very beautiful film, came out. And Miyazaki put out The Wind Rises. And they announced that that was it. They, they were shutting up shop. And, uh, I mean, Studio Ghibli effectively stopped production. People who'd worked there for years, you know, given their all to it, devoted themselves to Studio Ghibli, were, were left without jobs. And then, a few years later, Miyazaki announced he was back for this last film. So this probably is the last one. And Richard, you're one of the few Western journalists who's seen it. What did you make of it? It's a very extraordinary film, very remarkable. And people here really don't know what to make of it. And I'm, I, I sympathise with them. Um, there, was a, there was a screening of it for kind of guests before it, its general release. And someone who was at that uh, wrote about it and said that at the end, uh, remarks from Miyazaki were read aloud. Rather characteristically, he didn't show up himself to, you know, <laughs> to greet his guests. He just had someone to kind of read some remarks. And, and in, in that, he said, uh, you may not understand this film. I don't really understand it myself. And I think that's how a lot of people feel. It, it begins it, you know, in fairly conventional, a very compelling way. <laughs> The first 40 minutes are about this boy whose mother is lost in the firebombing of Tokyo. That spectacle, that horrible drama, is realised absolutely brilliantly. Uh, and then this boy, like the real Hayao Miyazaki, is evacuated to the countryside. 
And then strange things start to happen. It goes from being a, a, a very realistic film about this character in this rather sad situation to being an extraordinary, extravagant fantasy. And it becomes very unpredictable and bizarre indeed. But it is very beautiful to watch, very arresting, and it's full of themes and motifs and preoccupations that people who followed his films and his career will recognise. I suppose, you know, it sounds like so much of that film is still reliving the trauma of the war. So many of his preoccupations are about an older version of Japan, about the traditions, the landscapes, and a lot of Japan that is changing. Even if there was a successor, do you think any other generation of filmmakers would ever be able to capture the same thing that Studio Ghibli did? I think probably not. You know, that may, in a way, be part of Miyazaki's thinking, that he he and Isahata were men of that post-war generation, very much affected by the war, committed to pacifism. And younger Japanese have had a different set of influences. Uh, and I think there really is no one who will take his place. And, you know, those films stand as, as masterpieces of animation cinema, but also, I think, as a kind of historical document of that period in mm. Japan's history, the post-war period when this country was recovering from and in some ways making its rather difficult reckoning with the legacy of the war. What do you think the studio's legacy will be? I think the achievement of Studio Ghibli is, is massive. And as Miyazaki achieved that, that really very rare feat of creating children's films, which are brilliant works of art. They are uncompromisingly Japanese in the settings, in the characters, in the stories, in the influences behind them. But he showed, because he made them so brilliantly, they had, nonetheless, an international appeal. And it's difficult to think of anyone, certainly in the world of animation, who's achieved anything close to that. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guest, the Asia editor at The Times, Richard Lloyd Parry. You can read more of Richard's work, including a piece on Studio Ghibli at thetimes.co.uk. And if you're a subscriber and you want to delve into the world of Ghibli but don't quite know where to start, I've been there, then you can read the Times Arts Commissioning Editor Ed Potton's Top 10 list online and we'll put links into the episode notes. Highly, highly recommended. The producers today were Sam Chantarasak and Ellie MacDonald, the executive producers were Kate Ford and James Shield, and sound design was by Hannah Farrell. If you'd like to get in touch with us with any ideas for future episodes or any thoughts on what you've just heard, then do drop us a line at storiesofourtimes at thetimes.co.uk. Thanks for listening. Have a lovely weekend. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. 
Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.